When David Beckham met Victoria Adams, he was so besotted he could barely speak. Little did the footballer know that together they'd become one of the most powerful, famous and, yes, scandalous couples of the 90s and noughties. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Mish, I am so excited for this three-part series we are doing on Posh and Bex and their marriage and the controversies and the scandals and all of it. (laughs) Guys, we wanted some sugar. We know you wanted some sugar. And so what better story to retell other than the story of the Beckhams? Yeah, there is so much going on here. I was talking to someone the other day and I was telling them that we were about to do this and they said, Posh and Bex, what's the scandal there? And I said, Posh and Bex, what isn't the scandal? So if you are coming to this and only know David and Victoria Beckham because of their rock-solid marriage. There is a little bit under the surface of this. But that said, they are still pretty rock-solid for everything that's happened. Despite it all. Now, why do we in particular care about this story? You and I, I feel like, maybe I'm exaggerating, let me know, I feel like we have a special connection to, like, this family and I don't know why. We've always found the Beckhams fascinating. I have always found them fascinating, absolutely. I think why I wanted to do this, and I think you're the same, is in June 2018, in my last month or so working in women's media, I think your last month or so working in women's media, there was this huge story about Posh and Bex saying that they were going to split. Mm. And it was one of those stories that was like, there is no way this can just be a rumour. Like it picked up such steam that bookies, right, even stopped taking bets on whether they would split. It was like a sure thing. And then nothing ever happened. Nothing happened. It just like, it was the biggest tidal wave of a celebrity story. I was convinced. I'm like, well, they're definitely divorcing. They're definitely about to announce it. And then it just evaporated. It was like this massive wave just vanished and all of a sudden everything was smooth sailing again. Yeah, and they posed for Vogue that following September, so about three months later with a full happy family, and we kind of never heard about it again. And I feel like that is very indicative of the Posh and Bex marriage, that there have always been these intense rumours that not many people could come back from, and yet they always do. (laughs) So let's rewind, shall we? Let's go all the way back, Mish, to Victoria Adams' childhood. Let's do it. All right, Mish. So we're standing with Victoria Beckham. Who in the world was Victoria Beckham, or should we say Victoria Adams, before fame? Before fame, she was a pretty privileged, posh kind of girl, which kind of explains why she was named Posh Spice. So Victoria Adams was born in 1974 in the UK. She was raised alongside her two siblings in the affluent village of Broxburn in Hertfordshire. So she was renowned for having a posh accent, Zara. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, I mean, it's no surprise given we know her as posh, but she did have a bit of money around her when she was growing up. So her dad was an electronics engineer. He apparently, and this is a pretty widely reported rumour, used to drive Victoria to school in a Rolls Royce. Now, according to The Guardian, she was so embarrassed about their expensive car that she begged him not to. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being so wealthy you're embarrassed by your own wealth. Yeah, really interesting. The family also had a private pool in their house. Now, this isn't Australia where quite a few houses have pools. This is 
England and it wasn't quite as common back then. It's quite grey and gloomy in England. I would say that a pool is living to excess over there. Victoria was inspired to pursue a career in dance and musical theatre after watching the movie Fame. She told CNN in 2007, I always wanted to be a dancer when I was younger and fame was so inspiring. It made me want to come to New York and jump on a car. I even had a velour fame tracksuit with gold stitching. I had a fame bag too. (laughs) I love that a lot. Her parents did encourage her to pursue her dreams. They sent her to the Jason Theatre School. She also went on to attend the Lane Arts Theatre. College where she studied dance and modelling. Now, looking back on this time, Victoria has actually said that she was struggling. She addressed her younger self in this piece for Vogue in 2016, which was a pretty famous piece. She sort of wrote a letter to her younger self. And in that piece, she said, you are not the prettiest or the thinnest or the best at dancing at the Lane Theatre Arts College. You have never properly fitted in, although you are sharing your Surrey school digs with really nice girls. You have bad acne. You think the principal has put you at the back of the end of your show in a humiliating bright purple lycra leotard because you are too plump to go at the front. This may or may not be true. Yeah, even though life did revolve around dancing and singing for Victoria, looking back, she said she also had this really intense interest in fashion too. She said, I used to customise my school uniforms. I loved clothes, hair and makeup. I've always been a real girly girl. Now, Spice Girls wasn't the first pop group that Victoria Beckham was a part of before she actually became globally famous, she was actually part of another pop group called Persuasion. I love that so much. It wasn't until 1994 when an 18-year-old Victoria had her big break. So the Spice Girls story, the way it kind of came to be, is quite an interesting one. This wasn't a group of friends who decided, hey, we all like singing and dancing, let's chuck out a song together or let's work together in a garage and produce music. This was very orchestrated. The Spice Girls were manufactured by the pop industry. Yeah, well, I think this is very much like an OG 1994 kind of X Factor Mm. competition, right? So the Spice Girls started with a newspaper ad and the newspaper ad called for 18 to 23-year-olds with the ability to sing and dance who were, and I quote, streetwise, outgoing, ambitious and dedicated. And they were asked to come forward and audition for an all-female pop act with a record deal. So you're right. The record company knew that there was probably a gap for an all-female pop group and they were going to come kind of manufacture one. Yeah, and boy, did they do a good job. 400 girls crammed into a London studio and were whittled down to 10 and then five. The final five, as we know now, were, of course, Mel B, Mel C, Jerry Halliwell, Victoria, and Michelle Stevenson, who was later replaced by Emma Bunton. Baby Spice. Baby Spice was my favourite. Who's your favourite? Um... I quite liked Posh, actually. Yeah. yeah. Posh and Baby always stood out to me. Like, Baby Spice was just like, I don't know. I just liked it. Nice and sweet. <laughs> Mel B and Mel C auditioned with pop songs, but Victoria actually chose a musical number, a cabaret musical number, and actually received the highest scores at the audition. Now, 
I feel like this might surprise people because when the Spice Girls got as big as we know them to be, I feel like the running joke or the running assumption was that Victoria Beckham couldn't sing. Yeah, absolutely. The assumption was Victoria is very attractive but doesn't have musical talent, which we know now to be completely false. If she scored the highest scores at this audition, she probably had the most talent. I think what happened here is that Victoria was that kind of musical theatre talent and when you try and translate that into pop music, maybe it just didn't translate as seamlessly. Yeah, look at you, music expert. (laughs) (laughs) Come to me for all your music knowledge. Sure, that sounds about right. (laughs) Can singers back me up? I reckon that's right. (laughs) Well, the five of them were actually selected to be part of a girl band that was actually initially called Touch, right? So they moved into a three-bedroom house in Berkshire. Do they have to share beds? Well, that's the Five thing. of them in three bedrooms. Yeah, quite humbling for the Spice Girls. <laughs> and they spent most of the year practising songs that had been written for them. But Jerry, Jerry Halliwell, thought they should change their name to Spice to be more reflective of the brand's diversity. And from there, the Spice Girls were born. Yeah, along with the rest of the girls, Victoria became a sensation, like absolute pop sensation. But to say it was an overnight success would be incorrect. Yes, their debut album, Wannabe, did extraordinarily well. It sold 73,000 copies in its first week. But that was released in 1996, so two years after the band was formed. They were really working away at this behind the scenes. That album, Wannabe, went to number one in the UK and the United States, as well as 35 other countries. I'm sure Australia would be on that list, surely. I'm so sure as well. It's a funny one because people do kind of regard the Spice Girls as having an overnight success, and I kind of understand where that thought has come from because they came from or they were essentially plucked from obscurity Mm. into international global fame and that the minute their first track was into the world they were globally famous but it's not like they did this audition and then the next day this all happened. So the band's first album Spice was released in 1996 and went on to sell more than 23 million copies worldwide making it the best-selling album by a female group in history. I feel like people understand sell the Spice Girls these days. Like, that's incredible. Yeah, it is pretty insane. Now, that is Victoria Adams. Everyone put her to one side in your mind. Because, Zara, we have to introduce the other key player in this story. Yes, his name would be David Beckham, of course. Now, unlike Victoria, David Beckham actually grew up in a working class family. He was born in May 1975, so he was actually only a year younger than Victoria. His mum was a hairdresser. His dad was a kitchen fitter. He has an older sister and a younger sister. Yeah, and he always had big sporting dreams. So he once said at school, whenever the teachers asked, what do you want to do when you're older? I'd say, I want to be a footballer. And they'd say, no, what do you really want to do for a job? But that was the only thing I ever wanted to do. That interview with W Magazine is a really, really sweet one. And I think shows just how laser focused David Beckham was on a sporting career from the earliest of ages. I think you kind of have to be yeah. when you learn about how young David Beckham was when he was tapped on the shoulder and kind of pegged as the next big thing. As a kid, he always, as the New York Times put, had, and I quote, the drive to get out of bed, to bolt down breakfast and to get out with the ball. His dad helped coach the local club's youth team, which David joined when he was just eight. 
By the age of 10, he'd scored 100 goals. <laughs> By 11, he won a national skills competition, which started to earn him a little bit of attention. And by the age of 12, a scout saw David and he was given a trial at Man U. Now, like I said, you have to have that drive if at 12 years old, before you're even in high school, Man U were tapping you on the shoulder saying, we want you to play for us in like 10 years. That is insane. Like it's insanity. At the age of 14, David decided to really pursue this dream. He rented a room in Manchester and enrolled in Man U's training academy. So if you read an article in Britain's magazine, Football Times, it really sums up this time in David Beckham's life really well. The article read, most 14th birthdays are comprised of eating cake, spending time with friends and family and opening presents such as new phones or a bike. Beckham spent his in a corporate box wearing a shirt and blazer before being handed a tie. This wasn't just any tie. It had a complete red surface broken only by one adorning emblem, the crest of Manchester United Football Club. Beckham had spent the afternoon in the company of none other than Sir Alex Ferguson. Now, Sir Alex Ferguson, for anyone who is not a football fan, is probably the most iconic, the most famous football manager of all time. So this is a 14-year-old kid, right, who is playing with adults. Mm. Like you have to grow up incredibly quickly when you are 14 and you're not doing what other 14-year-olds are. But all of this commitment did pay off by 16 years old, which was July 1991. He had officially signed for Manchester United as a trainee and he continued to quite literally score goals. And in January 1993, he finally signed as a professional player for Manchester United. I find this incredible, the levels with which you have to go through before you're properly on the team. You're like 12 when you get scouted, 14 when you're at a training camp, 16 when you're a trainee, and then after that, you can finally become a player. Well, think of all the almost David yes. Beckham. So many kids go through these training academies, go through this process, think that their lives are destined for greatness. And then it doesn't always pan out that way. Like for every David Beckham, there's probably a hundred kids who went through the same process, but didn't quite make it. And it also makes you wonder and realize how much money is in this industry. So much money. And then just as a sidebar, which is a completely unrelated point, it also makes you despair a little bit for women's sport because you don't have this amount of money fostering talent from the age of 12. Yeah, absolutely. All that priority. Like women aren't given the priority when it comes to their sport or their dreams. Whereas young boys, as good as that is, I want that for both boys and for young girls. Boys are told, yes, go do this at the age of 12, 14, 16, whatever. Women are kind of told... Uh, maybe do this at the same time as your career when you're 25. Keep studying, keep going to work. It's yeah. never going to earn you enough money. Yeah. That is a pretty big side <laughs> So the most we kind of know about David Beckham, particularly around the time that he was about to meet Victoria Adams, was that his skills were becoming so renowned that people would start to say Bender like Beckham, right? Yeah. Which obviously later became a movie, which we will touch on, but he became iconic and so did both of his left and right foot. Which is so funny because you and I, while we were researching this, along with our researcher, Justine, we were kind of like, we know he's good, but how good is he? So we found ourselves going back through old YouTube videos to actually watch clips of him playing football and really couldn't believe, like even as two women who aren't really soccer fans, couldn't believe what he could do with a ball. Like he is just incredible. That said, 
I think you and I don't really know that much about him on the soccer field and we will put that on the record. There are probably many, many of soccer fan listening to this cringing a little bit. I don't think people are coming here for our soccer commentary, <laughs> to be totally honest with you. His talent and dedication is definitely what put him on the map, but... What I find very interesting about David Beckham and perhaps what's not surprising with hindsight is that people have also remarked about how well he works the media. Now, there was a quote from Roger Bennett, who is the host of NBC soccer show at Men in Blazers, and he told GQ he always knew where the cameras were. When his team scored goals, no one was quicker to jump on the back of the goal scorer and lift himself up on their shoulders. Mm, So we have been introduced to Victoria. We have been introduced to David. How did they get introduced to each other? We are going to find out after the break. All right, Mish. So at the point where Victoria and David met, David wasn't that famous. Mm. He was well known, but he wasn't as famous as we know him to be today. Victoria, very famous. So... They met because of their respective careers, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what we do know is that Victoria first came on to David's radar when he was actually watching television. (laughs) So she, along with the Spice Girls, were on the television. She was wearing a PVC cat suit and apparently... He turned to teammate Gary Neville and said, that one there, that's the girl I'm going to marry. Do you believe these stories? I don't. Every celebrity has one. Like Katie Holmes with Tom Cruise, Victoria and David Beckham. I'm trying to think of the other celebrities who've done in Scandal. But I feel like this is always the way that people say, oh, yeah, well, I love that person. I want to be with that person in the future. And then it ends up happening. What I think might be happening here about these quotes, because they are coming up a little bit, is famous people, like you and I aren't dating anyone famous. (laughs) So it's not like you see them on your television before you start dating them. I imagine that famous people see other famous people on the television a lot and probably say this about a whole lot of people and then because they've cast their net so wide, one of them ends up coming off. Or maybe they don't say that person there, I'm going to marry them, but or that person there, I want to date them, or that person there is incredibly attractive or things that are a bit more feasible. Well, I would love to think that David and his teammate Gary Neville was super wholesome, but can I imagine two pro footy players in the rooms pointing to a TV and saying, I'm going to marry that girl? More likely they probably pointed to her and went, she's fucking hot. And be- Yeah, she looks beautiful. But Beckham's bravado actually did fail him the first time they met. So the first time they met was when Victoria actually attended one of his games in London. So she went there with her manager and Mel C, which was Sporty Spice, and after the game she was invited to the Players Lounge. Now, David barely spoke to her. He did admit to W Magazine about this first meeting. I'm quite shy. I just sort of waved from the other side of the bar. So even her manager, Simon Fuller, arranged an introduction, but all David could muster was a quick hello. And apparently he agonised over the missed opportunity for days, recalling, and I quote, he was quite upset and gutted. I love this so much. The next week, luckily, David got another chance because Victoria was attending another Manchester United game. Word spread around the locker room that she was back. And he 
he was thinking to himself, as we now know in various interviews, he was telling himself, please let it be posh. Like, I need a second chance to make it right. Yeah. So he knew that there were Spice Girls there. He just wasn't sure who it was going to be. So again, she came into the Players' Lounge and talking about this meeting to Jimmy Fallon in 2020, David Beckham said she'd had a couple of drinks. So I decided, why not? I'll try and get her number. We talked for about an hour in the Players' Lounge. She actually got the train up that day. So she wrote her number down on her train ticket, which I still have. Oh, for Victoria, this was love at first sight. She wrote for Vogue in 2016 in that letter to her younger self that we touched on earlier, Zara. Yes, love at first sight does exist. It will happen to you in the Manchester United Players' Lounge, although you will get a little drunk, so exact details are hazy. While the other football players stand at the bar drinking with their mates, you will see David standing aside with his family. He's not even in the first team at this stage. You are the famous one, and he has such a cute smile. You two are close to your family, and you will think how similar he feels to you. She said that at the time she didn't really know who he was because she'd never really been into football. But she said she could sense from the start that, and I quote, David was a gentleman and very family oriented, which is very important because I'm the same. Mm. Now, he rang her the next day after he got her number. He was apparently very nervous and then drove down to London to see her that night. Yeah. Victoria has admitted that, weirdly enough, a lot of her first dates were in car parks around the <laughs> So it sounds so seedy. I don't get it. Her manager had apparently warned her to not let anyone see her be out and about. So I'm guessing the car parks thing was like a privacy tinted windows in a car thing. But you would just think that a house would be better. Right? Like yeah. car parks and cars are not exactly closed off from the world. Would maybe paparazzi knew where she lived though? If paparazzi were on her front doorstep and she was bringing a football player Hotel? into her house. Yeah, hotel, but then I don't, I don't know. We'd have to ask Victoria herself. She did say that on their first date, they sat in a car park in David's BMW and that they spent hours talking. Yeah, so she said of their early kind of few dates, for the first three dates, he was so shy, he didn't even kiss me. He finally got around to it while we were at my parents' house after our fourth date. It was worth the wait. So... Mm. Has she introduced him to her parents before they've actually kissed? I'm guessing. Yeah. I'm guessing like that would have been the time when he came over, met mum and dad, then they're sitting quietly together and he kisses her for the first time. This is just so not how I imagined they would have gotten together. I'm not saying they're like promiscuous or whatever, but to go four dates without even kissing each other, to have this real shyness that got in the way of them almost being a thing is just incongruous, I think, with the kind of David Beckham image we see in the public eye. Yeah, I think it's important to note at this time as well, they were very young. Mm. They were really early 20s. Mm, Absolutely. So according to the Arise Sir David Beckham biography written by Gwen Russell, Victoria said, I fell in love with David very quickly. I knew within a couple of weeks of that first kiss. I've had boyfriends before. I've been engaged before, but it never felt like it has with David. We just work so well together and being with him him feels so right. I wanted to tell the world, but I had to hold back. I wanted to be sure he felt the same way, but he did. We were at my parents again. David told me that he loved me and I said, I love you too. And that was that. That is a lovely quote. And if you listen to that quote and thought, hang on a second, 
Victoria Beckham was engaged before she met David. She was. She was actually engaged to an electrician by the name of Mark Wood, who she dated from the age of 14 to 20. High school sweetheart vibes. Yeah. So almost the minute the Spice Girls seemed to take off, that relationship fell apart when she was about 20. You can imagine your lives start to change Mm. quite dramatically. And also being with someone from the age of 14 is quite formative, but Mm. quite a long time. Now, in January 1998, just a year after they met, David and Victoria announced their engagement. Apparently, they had decided to get engaged while Victoria was at the Spice World movie premiere that month in LA. Yeah. Do you remember that film? I do. I need to rewatch it though. I remember loving it, but if you asked me for any of the plot lines of what actually happens, I couldn't tell you one. I think what I remember is that they had like this sick tour bus and all <laughs> I wanted to do was be on it, but that's all I remember. So what it sounds like anyway is that they had both mutually come to the decision to get married, really mature at quite a young age and he just had to plan the actual popping of the question so it sounds like she was overseas working he was in London they decided to get engaged and they were just sort of waiting for her to come back to work out what it was going to look like yeah so according to that biography written by Gwen Russell that we touched on before for the proposal itself they checked into a hotel straight after David's game with Man U Victoria was apparently presented with 30 roses before being escorted to their room which was festooned with 200 pounds worth of red and yellow lilies after getting into their bathrobes and ordering champagne to the room, David popped the question. She said in the book, we were sitting there in our dressing gowns when David pulled out the ring, got down on one knee and said, will you marry me, Victoria? Well, (laughs) so sweet. It is quite sweet. She was 23 and he was just 22. And at a press conference when they announced their engagement, They smiled quite shyly for the cameras. Like Mm. David was wearing this black turtleneck (laughs) with a navy coat. Victoria was wearing a fur jacket and a black turtleneck dress. So good to know the turtlenecks have never really gone out of style. (laughs) And she said to the media as they were asking her about the engagement and about the ring, I'm embarrassed now, stop it. And she was kind of shyly pretending to go back inside. She then flashed the ring, which was an engagement ring worth about $85,000 reportedly and added that it it was a surprise as well, which is a bit incongruous with the other reports that we'd heard that they (laughs) had agreed to get engaged, but... Who knows? All we know that they got engaged, they were very, very happy, but they were also very young and Mm. didn't seem, at least from the footage that we've watched back at this time, to demand the space and a room in the way that they do now. No, not at all. They were incredibly meek and incredibly shy in that scene in particular. Back to A Rise by Sir David Beckham, that book written by Gwen Russell, David was quoted as saying, I like Victoria for herself, not anything else. I'd like her if she worked in Tesco. We both understand the pressures of fame and encourage each other to ignore it or we laugh about it. She's more famous than me anyway. Some days I find four or five girls crying outside the front door. I can't understand how people get like that. Before researching this, I truly didn't understand just how big Victoria's profile was compared to David Beckham's when they got together. Because I think she has the trope of being a bit of a wag sometimes, that people think she hitched her wagon to David Beckham and her star climbed in conjunction with his. It's almost the inverse of that. She was the big star and he gained a profile much later. Exactly. 
We should add as well that since that first engagement, David has reportedly given Victoria 15 different (laughs) engagement rings over the years. Now, I don't really know why, whether he just buys them for her as a surprise or they choose them together. But look, she has clearly... Quite the ring collection. Is it possible that the media has made this a 15 different engagement ring story when he's just bought her 15 different rings across their relationship? Absolutely. Like, absolutely. Because I was thinking, I'm like, does he propose every time? I'm like, no, you fucking idiot. The tabloids have just latched onto this. She just owns 15 rings. Or like an anniversary ring. Like there are so many different ways that it could be framed Mm. or sold. Now, in July of that year, they fell pregnant with their first child, Brooklyn. So according to that Arise biography, Victoria said, when I told David I was pregnant, he just started weeping. He must have cried for about an hour and I had tears running down my face too. It was a very emotional moment for both of us. The baby wasn't planned, so it was a surprise mixed with real delight. I think telling David he was going to be a dad really put things in perspective for him. Hugh, this pregnancy with Brooklyn was very highly publicised. So when Victoria was seven months pregnant, She actually posed with David for Vogue Britain and her bump was the very centre of the photograph. They did welcome Brooklyn, of course, in March 1999. David was papped, walking around carrying a bunch of balloons that said things like lovely baby boy and Victoria. He also was carrying a Simba and Nala plush toy. (laughs) Yeah, so if there was one way you want to break the news to the press, I think carrying a balloon that says lovely baby boy (laughs) is going to do it. Victoria explained that they chose the name Brooklyn because, and I quote, we already knew he was a boy and so I knew he could end up a footballer, so it had to be a name that was a bit blokey. I always had liked the name Brooke and then we suddenly thought about Brooklyn. I'd always liked it as a place and it was only afterwards that I realised how appropriate it was because it was in New York that I found out I was pregnant and where David came after the World Cup. So we know the story behind Brooklyn's name. Can we please get to one of my favourite Beckham stories and that is the story of their wedding. Absolutely we can. It is the 4th of July 1999. I'm so excited. It is the day that Victoria Adams marries David Beckham and it becomes one of the world's most memorable (laughs) British celebrity weddings. I would say almost more than the royal wedding. And can we put it on the record? Some of you were not stoked with how we spoke about Chloe Kardashian's lilac wedding sash. Well, just you wait. <laughs> I think we need to have like an amnesty that if we are discussing historical celebrity weddings, we can have fun with it. I'm sure the celebrities look back at this shit and go, what the fuck was I thinking? I'm sure I'll do that with my own wedding in 10 years time. Well, we know for a fact David Beckham has, but we will get to that in a second. So David and Victoria got married at a castle on the outskirts of Dublin in Ireland. Now, this place is fancy, of course it is fancy. (laughs) It twice hosted Queen Victoria in 1844 and 1900 and lies on a 560-acre estate. Yeah, this guest list was pretty star-studded. It included the entire Spice Girls, obviously, David's Manchester United and England teammates and footballer Gary Neville, who was his best man. (laughs) I don't know why Gary is such a feature of this show. He's been in here like twice or three times already. (laughs) For the ceremony, Victoria wore a Vera Wang strapless satin ball gown with a corseted top and full skirt. Now she paired it with a diamond and gold tiara and a crucifix necklace that David had gifted her. I do have to say... When I think about David and Victoria's wedding, I think about their reception outfits that we're going to talk about in a second. I do not think about 
her wedding dress. Mm. But going back through the archives and going back through images, this wedding dress, as far as celebrity wedding dresses go, is pretty timeless. Yes, it has stood the test of time for sure. If you haven't seen it and you want a visual, the best explanation I can give is the wedding dress that Carrie Bradshaw got married in on Sex and the City, I think has a very similar bodice structure vibe to this dress that Victoria Adams slash Victoria Beckham got married in. She did a good job. Not all of her outfits from this time stood the test of time, but the wedding dress (laughs) certainly did. My favourite detail from the Victoria and David Beckham wedding is the bouquet. Is that really your favourite detail? Well, it's my favourite detail because it literally looks like, this might be harsh, it looks like she's reached into a bush, grabbed shrubbery, and is just holding it in front of her wedding dress. Like, I've never seen such an atrocious bouquet in my life. I'm so sorry. It does look a bit like a big bird's nest and it does have random apples through it (laughs) who puts apples in their bouquet we will have a photo of this on our instagram at (laughs) shameless podcast by the time you are listening to this episode david wore a completely white suit now the jacket looks so long it looks like a coat and their four-month-old son brooklyn was also wearing a matching white outfit and served as a ring bearer how i don't know (laughs) the minute i said that i was like four-month-old is a blob (laughs) he's not useless he's literally like not moving. I don't know how he's presenting his parents with the rings, but let's not let truth get in the way of a good story. The Sun reported that for the ceremony, the couple sat on huge purple and gold thrones as they said their vows in front of a massive display of red and purple flowers. Purple and gold is clearly something people love for their weddings. That's what Chloe and Lamar did for theirs as well. Yeah, but some 10 years later. Later in the day, though, both Victoria and David changed into those infamous purple ensembles that I did touch on before. So David wore an entirely purple suit with a top hat. (laughs) Victoria wore a purple one-shoulder dress with big purple flowers sprouting from the strap. Now, according to the Evening Standard, this wedding actually had a Robin Hood theme. So that's why, and maybe that explains, the dark leafy green bouquets (laughs) That was incorporated into the decor and especially Victoria's bouquet. Also explains why they released doves after reading their vows and why their cake was decorated with fruit and leaves. The best part was that the cake was also topped with nude sculptures of Posh and Bex as well. Elton John was supposed to play at this wedding, but because he sadly had a heart attack, he had to end up playing at one of the kids' christenings instead and there was no performance by Elton at the wedding. Yeah. According to The Sun, they flew a flag from the top of the castle with their initials <laughs> and they were able to sell their wedding photos to OK Magazine for over a million pounds. Now, speaking on Desert Island Discs many, many years later, David Beckham did talk about this wedding and how iconic it has been and maybe how iconic some of the decisions they made were. He said, that was pretty bold. Victoria's reception outfit was pretty nice. Mine, I'm like, what was I thinking? I look like the guys out of Dumb and Dumber when they went to that party and wore those ridiculous outfits. I even had a top hat in purple. Unbelievable. What was I thinking? 
Yeah, despite all of the theatrics and the semi-bizarre aesthetic choices, people at this wedding knew that Victoria and David Beckham were really the real deal. So Mel B from the Spice Girls told Fabulous Magazine in 2014, that wedding day was perfect. I remember looking at them and thinking these two would be unbreakable. It wasn't just that they were besotted with each other, it was the fact that they could make each other laugh. Vicky is one of the funniest women on the planet and she is completely herself when she's with him. They've grown up together. They know each other inside out. They've got through good times and bad times and that's a real relationship. I really like this quote because I think what I love about it so much is that she says Vicky is one of the funniest women on the planet. I mean, we know Victoria Beckham now has had a history of being accused of being quite pouty, of being quite scowly, of what we would call now having a resting bitch face. And so much of that commentary has been so incredibly gendered, Mm. it feels, right? Like it feels so incredibly gendered. And yet you hear reports and interviews from friends and people in Victoria's life who say she is the lighthearted one. She is the not serious one out of this relationship. She is the funny one and she doesn't take much too seriously at all. And it just shows a lot about how we really flatten women in the public eye because of the pap photos we might take of them. Yeah, absolutely. So we know that when they got married, they were already on their way towards becoming iconic British celebrities. But by the year 2000, that really was cemented. So that was the year that the script for the movie Bend It Like Beckham was written. Megastar Kira Knightley signed on to act in that film. It was released in April 2002 to huge success. I mean, imagine having such a massive profile that your surname can sell a blockbuster film that you're not even associated with. Yeah, and it was like so tied to him. David Beckham was mentioned so much in that movie. Mm. It's such an iconic movie. The film had a budget of $6 million. It made more than $100 million at the box office, so it just smashed any expectation out of the park. And I would argue, great for David Beckham's brand. Yes, absolutely. for David Beckham's brand. In 2000, so around the time that Bend It Like Beckham was written, the Spice Girls released their third studio album, Forever, which was a little bit less successful than their first two albums. So the band and then went on hiatus but did promise that they weren't splitting up for good, although they did come together on and off over the course of the years after that. Victoria probably distanced herself from the band more than the others. I think because perhaps like a Harry Styles, she had the strongest personal brand. Yeah, absolutely. She knew that she could go off on her own and succeed in doing that. David Beckham was appointed the captain of the English soccer team in the year 2000 when he was just 25. He was a football hero and he really proved his worth to that team after he scored a last minute free kick against Greece, which allowed England to qualify for the 2002 World Cup. So again, an icon. Well, that's the kind of thing that people don't forget. Mm. Like that is just the kind of thing that football fans never forget. By 2001, they had this profile that was equal parts iconic, but also they were regarded, I think, in British culture as a tiny bit trashy. A tiny bit, yeah, the Australian or the British version of Australia's bogans. Yes. And so according to The Guardian in 2001, they were grilled by Ali G for comic relief at this time. Now, Ali G, of course, was the satirical fictional character created and performed by Sasha Baron Cohen. Now, in a 40-minute chat with Ali G, which, by the way, would be my worst nightmare (laughs) because you're never the one coming off well in these things. He asked, so there are some people who suddenly get loads of money who become very tasteless. How have you two managed to avoid that? 
That is obviously a sarcastic joke pointing at just how, I don't know another word other than trashy, the Mm. world saw them. Like people had them in really high regard but in equal parts sort of they were a bit of a joke. Yeah, I think like that age-old saying money doesn't buy you class or money doesn't buy you taste was very much thrown at this couple in this time. On the 1st of September 2002, they also welcomed their second son, Romeo Beckham. Now, you could say that this family at this point in time was considered pretty blissful. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think both David and Victoria have looked back on the earlier years of their marriage and said that they were a lovely time. However, what was really interesting is that their relationship up until this point, up until Romeo, hadn't actually been seamless. Before they even got married, there was a cheating rumour that kind of rocked their relationship. So Mm. I feel like when you've got that under the relationship before you get married, it's a bit like a moving tectonic plate Mm. that has the ability to blow. Now, we discovered how much this rumour affected Victoria well before they even got married in her 2001 autobiography, Learning to Fly. Now, she admitted that while she was pregnant with their first child, Brooklyn, she punched David after he was accused of cheating on her with another woman. Yeah. So apparently in Victoria's retelling of this scene, David called Victoria to say that he had been accused of kissing someone else while she was away with the Spice Girls on tour. The next time Victoria saw David, she wrote, and I quote, that she went straight up to him and just swung at him, punched him. Now, apparently David continued to protest his innocence, but she was so distraught that she reportedly suffered suicidal thoughts around this time. Now, it goes without saying, we absolutely do not condone violence in any circumstance. And I think if anything, this would be written and spoken about very differently in 2021 to what it was 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. So they fled apparently to Lake Como in Italy to work things out and they kind of came back together as a duo. But the reason we wanted to bring this rumour in, even though it happened really, really early in this relationship, is because it kind of seemed to set the tone Mm. for the ensuing years between David and Victoria. That yes, their first few years of marriage seemed quite blissful and they managed to come back from this, but very soon it was all about to blow. We are going to find out all about that on the next episode of Scandal Mish. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of our three-part series on the Beckham and their various scandals. And a big, big thank you to Justine Landis-Hanley, our researcher here at Shameless. We are so grateful for all your work on this episode. Zara, what can the listeners do? Well, they can come and find us on Instagram, that's for sure. We are at Shameless Podcast and we will have a bunch of images up here for you from the early days of Victoria and David, particularly from that wedding. I can't wait to share those photos. In the meantime, we will be back in your ears on Thursday for a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Thanks so much, guys. See you then. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week. Now, every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, <laughs> each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to 
to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.